ಸದಾವತು ಸದಾವನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾಮಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀಧಮಸ್ತು ಮಾವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಗುರುಭ್ಯೋ ಹರಿ ಓಂ ಸದಾಶಿವಸಮಾರಂಭಾಚಾರ್ಯಮಸ್ತಾಚಾರ್ಯಪರ್ಯಂತ ವಂದೇ ಗುರುಪರಂಪರಾಪ್ರತಿಬೋಧಿ ಭಗವತಾಯನ ಸ್ವಯಂ ವ್ಯಾಸೇನ ಕೃತಿಮುನೇ ಮಹಾಭಾರತ ಅದ್ವೈತಾಮೃತವರ್ಷಿಣೀ ಭಗವತಿ ಅಷ್ಟಾದಶಾಧ್ಯಾಯಿನಿ ಅಂಬತ್ವಾಮನುಸಂತೀದೇವತ್ಷಿಣೀ ಓಂ ನಮೋಸ್ತು ವ್ಯಾಸವಿಶಾಲಬುಧೇ ಉಲ್ಲಾರವಿಂದಾಯತ ಪತ್ರನೇತ್ರ ಭಾರತೈಲಪೂರ್ಣ ಪ್ರಜ್ವಾಲಿದೋ ಜ್ಞಾನಮಯ ಪ್ರದೀಪ ಪ್ರಪನ್ನ ಪಾರಿಚಾತೈಕಪಾರೇ ಜ್ಞಾನಬುದ್ಧಾಯ ಕೃಷ್ಣಾಯ ಶ್ರೀಮೃತೇ ನಮಃ ಓಂ ಯೋಂದ ಪ್ರವಿಶ್ಯ ಮಮ ವಾಜಮಿ ಮಾಂ ಪ್ರಸುಪ್ತ ಸಂಜೀವಯತ್ಯಗಿಲಶಕ್ತಿಧರಸ್ವತಾಂಚಹಸ್ತಚರಣಶ್ರವಣತ್ವಾದೀನ್ ಪ್ರಾಣಾನ್ನಮೋ ಭಗವತೆ ಪುರುಷಾಯ Uh, we stopped with the discussion saying how mahabharata's original name was called jaya which meaning the success so what what does it mean to gain a spiritual success what does it mean to live a successful life and what exactly is success in life is one of the key topics of mahabharata as well as bhagavad gita which is which is this gem of mahabharata now for this uh, subject of successful life there is a, a framework which our rishis have provided and they call this as a purushartha so purusharthas are there are four of them and say here is here is what sort a human life somebody should aspire to gain in a human life so these four purusharthas are called dharma artha kama and moksha many of you would have already heard this uh, before so if you think about it it is about uh, having a moral foundation with dharma establishing a moral foundation so think of that as a successful from a moral point of view ethical point of view moral point of view so success from that point of view then there is artha and kama artha is success worldly success exterior success so in terms of uh, whether that is wealth whether that is professional uh, whether that is uh, you know uh, establishing something or accomplishing things all this is artha which one one would say i i have accomplished so many things and the third one is kama uh, though it is 
translated as desire, we should think it more from a personal point of view. Because a lot of times people go through worldly success, but completely fail in the personal relationship side. Right? So karma is actually that fulfilling, that personal relationship-based desires of what we have. Uh, being close to somebody, having loved ones close to you, sharing of a love, exchanging of love, and having the relationship, whether it's a spouse or children or, or your own parents or your own family or your own community, all that is part of the karma, which is a lot more internal than external. So artha is more of physical sense of accomplishment, whereas karma is more of that internal sense of having accomplished uh, a, a, rich, a rich life includes both your personal success from a relationship point of view, as well as your professional or wealth or that kind of a success, which is from an external point of view. Problem is when somebody uh, indexes too much on one versus the other, right? A lot of times when wealth and profession success, worldly success suffers, your relationship in, invariably will come to suffer as part of it. Sometimes other way. Uh, that's what we mostly see. People sacrifice their personal relationships for over-indexing on the on the professional or a wealth or kind of a things and end up with a, having a very hollow life at the end. And, and topping all of this is the concept of a moksha. Now the word uh, moksha, uh, you have heard it many, many times. Every sannyasi who comes or every spiritual leader who comes and talks about what well, the idea is moksha, which is liberation. Right? It's a translation, right? Liberation from everything. But the word is constructed not saying liberation. The Sanskrit word is constructed from two words. Mo, which stands for moha, and kshi, which stands, ksha, which stands for weakening or hurting or weakening or ending. So moksha is actually the weakening of delusions or the ending of delusion. So it doesn't really talk about liberation. If, I, if at all it talks about liberation, it is liberation from moha or delusion. The reason being, dharma, artha, and kama, irrespective of how well we do this one, how well we accomplish on all the three, still contains an element of moha in it. There is a certain sense of delusion that goes underlies all the three. And moksha says that if you are able to get rid of that delusion, if you can overcome that, if you can weaken it and minimize it or even completely eliminate it, then you get freedom. Then you'll have this internal freedom that we talked about, this total internal freedom that we talked about, by which you can still be a great accomplisher, a great ethical person, a great person in terms of personal relationships, but all those three things done very well within the foundation of absolutely no moha. And for this reason, Bhagavad Gita is actually called Moksha Dharma Shastra. So it is just not a Dharma Shastra. There are a lot of Dharma Shastra texts which will tell you this is the right thing to do, this is the wrong thing to do. This you must do, this you must not do. So this is Dharma Shastra, and they are Dharma Shastras are uh, based on the period of the time that they are created. So Manu Dharma Shastra is there. So Manusmriti or called Manu Dharma Shastra was done for a certain period of time in which they actually said some things that we would not agree with today. Because the society has moved forward. When there are a lot of good things in Madhudar Prashastra, 
there are some things which are fit only for that period of time and which which we should overlook but bhagavad gita is not that bhagavad gita is a moksha dharma shastra because its focus is saying that we want to bring you back the foundation of dharma but from the point of view of moksha so you have to accomplish both that total internal freedom and come back to dharma arthanta so this is this is very important because this is why vyasa said naram narottamam and narayana right we we talked about saying how vyasa makes his prostrations to all the three narayanam namaskritya naram chaiva narottamam daivim saraswatim vyasa tado jaya mudiraye and the, so this jaya is ex, is uh, presented as this framework of under the framework of moksha dharma shastra of bhagavad gita Right? now the word dharma is a is a completely loaded word again yeah, if i i cannot think of another sanskrit word which has got so many different meanings attached to it in the in a very small two letter word called dharma and uh, the sanskrit for root if is called is on the for the word dharayade dharayade means to provide a substrate to provide support so fundamental to dharma is that it provides a substratum to anything else that you want to do and the substratum is 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 a supportive one which will allow a sustenance of life right so now if you think of the sustenance of life and providing the substratum and you can now we can think of all things that we call as ethical things or societal things that we call as ethical things because they are meant for making the society last for long now if we say our dharma is to take care of the environment the idea is that environment is needed for a long lasting human race to be here and to support the life on the earth so that is our dharma to take care of the environment so that it sustains it is our dharma to maintain an ethical life in the society not to throw the society into its chaos now because a chaotic society is not a sustainable society it is not a, a scenario where somebody could have a peaceful life right so dharma again from that point of view talks about sustaining everything but because dharma's meaning is that one it has translated itself into many different ways of dharma so people talk about kula dharma uh, jati dharma varna dharma ashrama dharma raj dharma paura dharma uh, now vidaj dharma is all very different like you know it, to be patriotic is a dharma raj dharma that is and if if you remember our if any of you are going to malayalam school when you are a kid as a malayalam medium school civics the translation malayalam is called paura dharma which is actually a lot more meaningful word than civics right they really love the word it was translated as saying hey here is the dharma of of a citizen civics this was called paura dharma and now there is rajya dharma it's for the rajya dharma which is different from rajya dharma the of a leader what is the what is the dharmic way a leader should perform called rajya dharma and then we also have varna and ashrama dharmas varna dharma was saying if you are into the uh, if, so this is the four chadur varnas which i again i had given you explanation long time before 
Like this is on based on one's orientation. If you are someone who is going to support knowledge, and and the uh, and the spiritual aspects, that's a Brahmana dharma. Is that if you are dedicated for action, you are a Kshatriya dharma that is related to that one. So take care of that. Essentially, they said if have a certain role within the society, perform the role to its perfection. Do what you can do best in the in in the role. So that you are doing your part of that role, and that is dharma, and which again uh, comes to the idea of ashrama dharma. So if you are a child, if you are a brahmachari as a student, be a good student, completely dedicate yourself to the actions of a brahmachari. If you are grihastha, dedicate yourself being a grihastha. That's another dharma, grihastha dharmas. Garhatya dharmas are different from uh, one of prasas or or a sannyasas. So for sannyasi, the dharma is shared knowledge. Swadhyaya pravajana is the is is a vanaprasas or a sannyasi dharma. You should do it. So learning and and sharing of knowledge is is for a uh, sannyasi. So those are the different dharmas. Now this idea of uh, dharma again comes back to the righteous, principled action. So I want to tell you, word something is dharmic or something is adharmic. How do we differentiate? If the action is righteous and principled, and then there is a sense of justice that goes with it, then we will say that's dharma. Because intuitively we know something is dharma or something is dharma. What we struggle with is to put a pin to saying how do we make the differentiation between what is dharma and what is adharma. So if it is righteous, if it is principled. If it is justice to it, then there is dharma to it, right? If it is performing what is expected of ourselves in certain roles, that's again a dharmic work. Like if, as professionals, we have certain accountability. As as a role with the family, as a father or a mother or a brother or a sister or a child, yes, we have a role performing the role. That's another way of dharma. Um, when in all this, dharma again comes back to keeping others' interests over one's own interest. This is other subtle aspect of being a dharma. Now I can say that I oh I am a father and I am performing my dharma of being a father. Now if I do that with an authority, sense of authority saying all of you need only my will works in this family. What anything that will happen is what I say in this family. That is becoming authoritative, you know, becoming dictatorial within the family. That is not dharma. Now, if I keep my family's interests on top of my own interest, if I'm ready to sacrifice myself for that purpose, then that's a dharmic way. Right? In professional leadership roles, you know, we will see this saying servant leadership. The word used is servant leadership. They say, yeah, you are a leader. But you are being as a servant to the people that you are leading. You are not being authoritative. You are going to do things for the intent of reaching the goal, getting the accomplishing what it is to be done. You are maintaining the interests of the organization. Same time, you are maintaining maintaining the interests of the people you are leading. So, an attitude, a dharmic attitude to leadership, is this idea of a servant leadership. So, again, the signs of dharma again are where. One puts one's own interest 
below subservient to others and others. Right? Righteousness, all this is dharma. And finally, the long-term sustenance of things. It may not be the short-term action. What is immediately, tactically good can get over the hump is not necessarily a dharmic action. A dharmic action may be a more considered long-term sustained action. Right? So giving some characteristics of what, what dharma is. So if you finally come to kind of defining it, what is what it means to be dharmic, it is honest, truthful action, which is devoid of self-interest. Irrespective of the role we play, irrespective of the context in which we play, if our action is honest, truthful, and devoid of self-interest, then it's very likely that we are acting in a dharmic way. Right? The opposite of that is adharma. So where, where one puts self-interest above others' interests, action is deceited. Right? If it's a deceitful mind or hypocritical. No adharmi wants to be known as an adharmi. There's some, some people say, I don't care. Most of them will, uh, the majority of what you see is they want to project being a dharmic person, but internally they know I'm not. I'm, I'm taking my own self-interest. As long as it appears like it is, a, it is in the interest of others, if I can be deceitful, as long as I can cheat the world into believing what I'm doing is dharmic, I'm good. So that inter so that dharma adharma conflict is internal for that person. So deceitful, uh, dishonest action, putting one's own self-interest on above other people's interest, totally devoid of compassion. So adharma you will see this, the role of compassion, karunya, coming into play between dharma and adharma. Yes, there are tough actions, tough decisions made by a dharmic person, but it is made with a lot of consideration. It is made still with compassion. Whereas for an adharmic person, compassion never comes into play. So th th this is a contrasting between Dharma and Adharma. In one place, there is the dedication towards values, principles, compassion, ethical, empathetic, truthfulness. All this is on one side versus other side, self-interest, dominance, lack of compassion, lack of principleness, ad hoc, inconsistent actions come from Adharma. So if you come back, come into Mahabharata, what happens is there is this continuous conflict of saying what is dharma and what is adharma within Mahabharata. So you, that's why we have Yudhishthira as the central character. Yudhishthira's strife from day one has been to be a dharmic person. He was, he is dharmaputra. He was, he's a son of dharma himself. And Literally, in any way you can translate it, he wants to be the representative of dharma in, in all aspects. So 
in coastal so you are, i'm coming to the crux of the war why the mahabharata war happened the pandavas had their tough life initially they had to they were brought into the palace but ill treated but educated then uh, the lack uh, the they put they were put in a house tried to they tried to burn them down but they escaped out of it they went into hiding uh, but finally after marrying panjali dhrashtra realizes okay they are still alive brings them back gives yudhishthira half the kingdom so he goes sets up his kingdom in indraprastha he does the rajasuya and becomes an emperor and and is everything should have been fine at that point when he became the emperor all he had to do was just keep it going duryodhana all the people they had their own life part and he had his part here comes mahabharata throws in a wrench into the into the wheel here saying if a dharmic person once he feels he has done everything he has done as still as not got through moksha what happens to them is a sense of complacency so yudhishthira a sense of complacency comes over yudhishthira at that point and he gets his invite to come to that dice game so he is invited by shakuni and you and duryodhana to come to this game of dice which he knows is probably rigged against him but yudhishthira uses a an excuse at this point he says it is it is wrong for a king to decline an invitation for a game of dice because it, it it is the dharma of a king to go play a game of dice this is exactly what happens with someone who literally tries to adhere to dharma because dharma gets translated into practices and custom traditions and once blindly goes by the tradition custom at this moment yudhishthira had a weakness for the game of dice he enjoyed it and now he had the wealth to happily play it the like gitar i had enough to it's not going to hurt me and he has that little weakness in it he allowed that moha that weakness in him to allow him to go and accept this invite for the game of dice and and that is like a whirlpool right you you are you once you are in it it's extremely hard to ex, uh, extricate oneself out of it right he lost some then he thought he is going to win back let me win win back he started feeling guilty that he has lost some initially it was all for fun and then the wages became what got wasted became higher and higher and higher at every step he thought i'm going to play the next one and win everything that i have lost and he kept going until he lost his own family so he ended up waging draupadi herself he waged his brothers he waged draupadi herself and it extreme adharma manifested out of this one simple moha which was inside yudhishthira and as a result from yudhishthira point of view he underwent 14 years of the the vanavasa right does it 12 years of vanavasa one year of vajnavasa so for 13 years 12 years of vanavasa and one year of vajnavasa he probably was baking inside for the for the decision he made for the calls he had made 
think of how much you, it would have been burning inside saying what if i had not done that what if i had not done that right what if i had uh, taken a, a minute to walk away what if i could have rejected it this what if would have burned him from inside out through that and that is tapas for him so he takes a uh, his own preceptor along with him who actually gives him different stories of people who have gone through suffering people have sometimes suffered for no reason uh, at least in yudhishthira's case you can say there was a um uh, action from yudhishthira side which caused it then he told the story of nala and damayanti and the entire suffering of nala in the nala damayanti story was absolutely uncalled for he had he had not asked for any of that raja harichandra's story is recited in yudhishthira sometimes uh fate can can cause people to go through an extreme sufferings this yudhishthira kind of goes through the tapas and he comes back now he has come back and he he want now he wanted to gain back what he what was rightfully his and for that he makes all the pleas and he said i don't even you don't even give me everything just give me at least five villages i'm good enough and but obviously duryodhana takes a stance not not even a a pin in not even earth as much under the you know uh, bottom of the pin that i will give you uh, you have no right to be here because we, and according to him he said i outed you before your one year uh, one hour period uh, sorry the atnyadavasa period and that is a technical uh, different differences between the two of them um so the the natural impact of trying to be a dharmic person is is a conflict right now the conflict is true even for a dharmic person too so here bahava the bhagavad gita starts with the word dharma so interestingly the first log of bhagavad gita is dharma kshetre kurukshetre starts with the word dharma and bhagavad gita ends with the word uh, mama chanjaya says durvani dir madir mama so the entire bhagavad gita is is put within this brackets of word mama and dharma mama dharma means my what is my dharma what is my so the key question that every person tries to answer in life saying what is my dharma and as part of that question of what is my dharma comes conflict comes despair comes dilemma uh and and comes grief so as part of this mama dharma definition as one tries to live through it these are all natural consequences of a human life despair dilemma conflicts it it pats out did i do the right thing am i doing the right thing is where is this going to lead me well did i cause this am i responsible for this am i not responsible for this could i have done something else differently should i be doing this but all these questions will will come up saying am i doing the right thing when i am here is it being fair these questions all come up so again with krishna's instructions of bhagavad gita starts with the word ashochya says ashochyan and ashojasam starting with the saying do not grieve and he ends with the word his own the key instruction part the word mashuda 
marsh which I do not agree. So grief was essentially one key part of uh, Krishna's instruction coming into it. So with that, I want to give uh, give you that entry into into the context of Bhagavad Gita. So now what happens here is that the two armies have arranged themselves on the day of the battle. All efforts to avoid the battle have gone vain. Krishna did his own uh, efforts to avoid the battle. And then again, there was another one with Sanjaya took the messages and tried to get that thing uh, from his side. Uh, even that peaceful, uh, all efforts for peace were finally failed. And the day of the battle had come and both armies had arranged themselves in the battlefield facing each other. Dhritarashtra, in his interest to know what is going on in the battlefield, request Vasa, give me a wait for that. I will know what happened in the battlefield. And Vasa blesses Sanjaya, Dhritarashtra's uh, messenger, Sanjaya, uh, with an ability to see things as they are happening all over the battlefield. So what happens is Sanjaya goes to the battlefield every day. He is sitting in one place. He is able to see the battle from all the different individual battles. So he gets a comprehensive view of what happens. He can see very closely what people are talking, what they are saying. You know, he, is, he gets to see this very closely. And then he comes back in the evening and then he, he tells Rurashtra what happened on that day. So this is essentially a reporting of the of the day's work that happened. So this day, at the end of the first day, Dhritarashtra sits there and Sanjaya comes and Dhritarashtra tells Sanjaya. So that, I'll chant the first sloka and then I'll explain to you what the... Dhritarashtra vacha dharma kshetre kuru kshetre samavetavayuyutsavaha mamaka pantavashaiva Bhagavad Gita is divided into 18 chapters. Most of you would know this. Uh, each chapter have uh, a name. And this chapter is called Arjuna Vishada Yoga. Uh, Vishada, Arjuna's uh, dilemma or despair is Vishada. Uh, Vishada is a very special word to express shoka because the word shada means to kill. So vishada is actually the a special way of killing one's spirit. So when grief strikes one to a certain to a such a deep extent, it snuffs out one's own light inside. That's vishada. Here is Arjuna's um, a condition by which all light inside him goes out. And that is Arjuna Vishada. And it's called yoga because he has become one with that. Yoga means essentially to unite. Arjuna in this uh, chapter of Bhagavad Gita becomes united with Shoka so much that he has become one with Vishada. So this is called Arjuna Vishada Yoga because all light inside him goes out and it's only a, it's, he can only feel the darkness inside him. And we will we'll come to details of that. So that's Pradamadhyaya Arjuna Vishada Yoga. So Dhradarsha watch. Dhradarsha says, this Dharma Kshetre Kurukshetre, 
he says in that field that battlefield kshetra is a battlefield in that battlefield which is a field of action which is also a field of righteousness because this battle is just not over land alone this battle is dharasha completely gets a point this battle is on what is dharma and what is adharma is dharma on the side of pandavas or is dharma on the side of kauravas both claim to be on the side of dharma and it has come to point it can be determined only by an outcome of a battle it cannot be uh, legally talked about and established and people are uh, this could be resolved only through a battle so dharma kshetra kurukshetra this battlefield where, where a dharma determination can only be made by through a battle in that word samaveta yutsavaha all these people who have come desirous of a battle desirous of engaging in the battle because they believe their side to be right and they have aligned themselves and he calls them as my own people mamaka and pandava and those of pandavas the pandus people and my people kimakurvata sanjaya what did they do so here is uh, again vyasa's brilliance saying that a blind person when he looks at the world sees two kinds of people my people and others it's called bheda vichara the fundamental reason for suffering in the world is this bheda vichara that someone is mine and someone is not mine that i can differentiate between the two and i am i am aligning them so myself to one versus the other self centeredness and around this consensus of mind versus others right that lack of empathy for others or lack of oneness with others bheda vichara and this is this is a characteristic of dhritarashtra all through he wanted his people to be reigning in hastinapura and everyone else to be suffering as as part of mamaga pandavas seva kimakurvata sanjaya and now what happens from this point is two different kinds of dilemmas the first one is going to be from duryodhana's perspective so sanjaya goes to say drishtva dupanda so sanjay uvaja sanjaya says this drishtva dupanda vanekam Yudam Duryodhanastata Acharya Mubhasankhamya Raja Vajanam Abhraveed Duryodhana, who Sanjaya here calls as a Raja, he is a king. He is the most powerful because Duryodhana had 11 Ashavhinis under him for this battle. Pandavas could manage only seven against us. And he had lost more powerful kings who had aligned with him his army was way way more powerful and he had all the power in his world and he should have been sitting there with not blinking looking at the battlefield but he is the one who is the raja having seen this pandava arrangement of their army Vyudam, which is the arrangement duryodhana at that point makes his way to drona he moves his chariot towards drona 
and he tells Drona something. He want, he's, he's have a conversation with Drona. A adharmic person reflect come, what comes out of that person is always sense of insecurity and fear. Whether they show it outside or not, every time a person, a dharmic person, an adharmic person engages in, they always have the sense of doubt inside themselves about, am I going to pull this off or not? Because what I'm going to do is adharma, I know, but am I going to be able to pull this off? In spite of being adharma, would, would, I, would I be able to pull it off? Duryodhana also gets taken over by that doubt. And he goes to Acharya. And the immediate reaction for someone who feels a pain inside or that sort of self-doubting, insecure person's immediate reaction is to hurt someone else. Immediately had to find someone else to hurt. Because that makes them feel better. Because one more person who can who hurts along with them gives them a company and they feel somewhat better. And they feel uh, the wrong way of healing themselves. So the person he actually found to hurt here is Drona. And he goes to Drona and says this. Pashyetam Pandaputranam Acharya Mahatim Chamum Vyudham Drupataputrena Tavashishena Dhimatam He says, Acharya, look, look over there, the Pandava army. See for yourself, Panduputrana, these sons of Pandu who were so dear to you. Remember when we were, you were our teacher, you were so good to them. You treated Arjuna better than anybody else. You had this uh, special uh, pr privilege for the Pandavas than us. You treated them way more, had a higher pedestal than here. Look at them. They have come with an army to, to fight you. Ashaydam Pandavutra, your own doing. Again, he wants to hurt Drona saying, look what you have done. Did you think you did a dharmic thing at that point? Acharya Mahadim Chamum, this is a greatly, a great army. They have, you taught them well. Look at that. You taught them so well that they are able to assemble this wonderful army and put it into a fantastic formation facing us. Mahadim Chamum. And again, he says, Vyudam And who you think is the commander of that army? Drishtadyumna, who is the son of Drubata, was the commander of the Pandava army. He is the top commander of the Pandava army. And after losing the battle with, uh, after Drona had Pandavas and Kauravas go take on and Drubhata and make him a prisoner and bring him back because, you know, Drubhata never gave the kingdom to him. Drona takes half of Drubhata's kingdom and gives him the rest of the half and sends him back. Drubhata gets two daughters, Draupadi and uh, Drishtadyumna. He sends Drishtadyumna under the tutelage of Drona. So Drona was the teacher for even Drishtadyumna also. So here when he say, Mahadim Shishena Dimada. Say they have, look at it is your 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 students, Arjuna and Drishtadyumna, two of your own students, who you are taught so well. Look at that. They are the ones who are our ancient army. Look at them. So with the contempt, his own insecurity, 
reaction coming in and telling Drona saying, let me hurt you. Suffer for yourself. And as part of it, if, if that pricks him inside and he, he starts acting violently, good for me, because you know, then he'll, he'll take on that. And so that, that's other, other intent behind it. So very beautifully laid out words here. Uh, then he goes through a whole description of everybody who is on the Pandava side. He says, OK, King of Kashi, King of Virada, the uh, Chekipan, I mean, he keeps on describing. At one point, he suddenly stops. And he says, oh, I'm over-appreciating this strength of the Pandava army. Uh, and he immediately switches over. Say, so the seventh sloka, he says, Asmagam, Asmagam Tuvishishtaye. It's the seventh sloka. Asmagam Tuvishishtaye. Tanibhoda Dvijottama. Mayaka Mama Sainyasya. But by the way, Drona, though I have rattled out to you the names of all these various people that Pandavas have successfully managed to assemble on their side, my army, he says, Maika Mama Sainyasa, thanks to my own efforts that I have managed to assemble, they are all, they are also very special. And I want you to turn Nibodhijotama. You are a Brahmin. You're not a warrior. He says, Dvijotama. He says, You're all said and done. You might have taught us all the war warfare. But when it comes to executing it on the battlefield, remember that Kshatriyas are going to be a bit better than you are. After all, you're a Brahmin. So he wants to hurt him from his Varna, saying, Hey Dvijotama. You may be a, a very good rabbit, but remember, this is a king's job to do. Assembling an army is a king's job to do. And I come, I have brought all these great people. All uh, And just in case you haven't paid attention to who I have assembled, this is, I will tell you in a, in a very simple way. I won't go through the whole list, but... Just for your own sake, let me give you examples of who I have brought here. Again, to tell Drona, you didn't move to bring any one of those things. I did it. This insecurity, the play of that insecurity is so beautifully laid out here of, of an atharmic person as they, as they come to executing what they want to do. Then he goes to Bhavan, Bhishmacha, Karna, and uh, None of them are unknown to Drona. There is no, it is, there is no necessity for Duryodhana to having to rattle all this out. But his real intent comes out on the tenth sloka, and here he blurts out accidentally what is in his mind. He says, Abaryaptam Tadasmagam. He says, Asmagam, our side is, he uses the word Abaryaptam. Abaryaptam means unbounded in one sense. Paryaptam is limited. And unbounded is my power of my army. Abaryaptam Tadasmagam. But the word Abaryaptam also means insufficient. His fear is, though my army with 
unbounded uh, valor is here, he's afraid, is that insufficient? Is this sufficient enough for me to pull it off? Accidentally, the word he picks to use here is aparyaptam with, with that dual meaning. Aparyaptam tadasmam balam bhikshma birakshidam. He doesn't say drona, not protected by you. I am counting on bhishma because, like I said, this perpetuity of the Hastinapura empire is what Bhishma had vowed. And he is a great warrior. Whether he believes in this is a dharmic battle or not, he had committed himself for protecting Hastinapura. Bhishma's bala, I am counting on. Balam Bhishma Pirakshitam. So he says, by again, he has his doubts. Both the he knows Bhishma's and Drona's um, are still inclined towards Pandavas, right? Their heart lies with Pandavas. And he says, enough if they bring their valor to this field. I feel insufficient. Paryaptam tidam edesham balam bhima virakshitam. This Pandava side, which is protected by the one Duryodhana most afraid of on the Pandava side, was Bhima. With the power of Bhima, Pariyaptam, they may be smaller, they, they are not unbounded. And here it means limited power, but sufficient. So are they limited and sufficient to take on this army of mind, which is unbounded, but insufficient? Now, at this point, uh, he again brings out another one. He says, I don't believe all of you. I, I don't believe in your powers individually. I have all my faith is in Bhishma. As long as Bhishma stands, this army stands. Because Bhishma is the Pitamaha, Pandavas will not take on him. And Bhishma is, is vowed to support us. So you keep Bhishma going, we'll be going. Actually, that it, it's very true because the first 10 days of battle, Pandavas get routed. As long as Bhishma, because on the 10th day, Bhishma gets so angry at one point that you know Arjuna like you know Krishna had to stop the battle and jump in and say I'm going to kill you if you don't stop yourself going this way because the, the amount of the way the Bhishma brings in the ninth day of the battle he will get so ferocious there was no stopping him and so Duryodhana tactically it's, it's the right thing that he says so in the 11th sloka he says sarveshu you all should stay in your own places as assigned by the by Bhishma. This Vyuha which has been done by your and do your what you are expected to just follow orders. All of you warriors, just follow your orders. You are, from my side, I'll give you one instruction. Bhishma Veva Virakshandu. Just make sure you're protecting Bhishma. Even if that means sacrificing yourself, do it. Do not let Bhishma fall. Sarvayeva. I'm telling you, Drona including you. You might think yourself as a greatest warrior, but you also have this responsibility. Protect Bhishma. Even if it means sacrificing yourself. What a way to go at somebody right at the beginning of a war. He's already fighting his own students. He is trying to boil his heart, hurt him, 
This is what an adharmic person does when they are in doubt. Because their insecurity, their fears, their uncertainties blooms in, in front in, in, at the time of a crisis. Because ultimately for him, it's all about the self-interest. And, and having seen this, what, what is uh, happening, Bhishma knew what is, what is going on. So he said, let me put an end to this. Because this is not a good way to start a war. Because this is going to cause so much of disruption in the rank. So Bhishma picks up his uh, couch and, and blows the couch. His blowing of the couch means the beginning of the war. So they are declaring themselves that here is the war is starting. So. Pidamaha, uh, the very next sloka, Kuruvridda Pidamaha, Tasya Sanjanayan Harsham, Kuruvridda Pidamaha, Simhanadam Vinadhyoche, Shangam Dadmau Pradabhavan. And like the roar of a lion, he picks up his Shankar, this septagenarian or a, uh, octagenarian in the, in the side, picks up his Shankar and makes this roaring sound through his Shankar into it. And and then every warrior picks up their shankar and, and blows, saying that I am ready for war. And this is the war cry. The war cry was the shankar sound. And, and this, as the shankar sound comes out, the drum starts beating up. There are uh, pipes start on both sides come out. All the, uh, the, the, the initial, like the march band kind of a thing goes, happens on both sides. And, and the entire atmosphere is reverberating with that sound, with the war cry on both sides. At that moment, Arjuna, on the 20th sloka, Arjuna comes up and says, he is looking at everybody which, who is all there, just as Duryodhana did. Arjuna, at that point, also has a look at who is at the war. So this is from the previous slogan, I think. Yeah. Having seen this Dhradarashtra stands everywhere, all the Dhartarashtras with their weapons are standing up and Dhanurudhyamya Pandava. This Arjuna picking up his bow. Rishikesham Tadavakyam Itamaha Mahipade. And he tells Rishikesha, who's Krishna, who was his charioteer, and he tells Krishna, Senayor Bayor Madhye Yadam Stapayamechuda. Yo Achuda, takes my take my chariot and place it between the two armies, please. So the intent is Yavadevan Nirikshaham. Let me see, so that, put it between the two armies, so that let me see, who are these people who have come here, ready to fight the battle? Yodhukama Navastidan. Kairmaya Sahayodhavyam Asmin Radasamudhyame. Ready for the battle. Just not only on the Dhartarasha side. He wants to see the Pandava side from the middle. This is the sign of maturity of a dharmic person. Because they take a position 
in between the two. They see both sides. Before making a decision, this ability to park oneself in the middle and judiciously evaluate both sides, so it's a sign of dharma. So Arjuna being the dharmic person, he says, let me see who are these people who are here on both sides. And one side he says, I want to see closely this Dhartarashtra who are of wicked mind. And I want to see them closely before I go to this battle. Let, let me have a close look at them to put me there because I'm very convinced that I am on the side of Dharma, but I want to be there in the middle. This is, this is an incredible ability that one should gain. And we all fail as humans in doing it to get this balanced view. Even when we condemn something, even at the, at the point of something that we don't agree with, do we have a, a mindset to take the neutral stance for a few minutes to, to see things from the other person's perspective before we completely decide and condemn the other side. Do we give it the due diligence? That is, is a sign of dharma. But it has its own dangers, and which we will see uh, next week. But very poetically and beautifully played out how the internal conflict of a dharmic versus a dharmic person. So what is the conflict from the point of view of a dharmic person? We'll, we'll pick it up next week for the rest of this chapter. I'll finish with Purnavada and then we can come to discussion. Om Purnavada Purnamitam Purnat Purnamutachyate Purnasya Purnamadhaya Purnamevavishtate Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Pyodamaha Hari Om Yeah, so we have made our long-awaited beginning into Bhagavad Gita today. I went up to 23, I think, if I remember right. Bhagavad Gita has 700 slogans. First chapter has about what, 40 something, 47 slogans. So we are halfway to the first chapter. Okay. Thoughts, comments, even from last week to this week. So feel free. One, one question. Yes. Uh, like uh, I, I just wanted to hear your interpretation because I have, this particular thing I have heard some other interpretations like uh, in the the context of Duryodhana going and approaching Drona and uh, making all these statements as against why didn't he approach Bhishma who was the commander of the army. So look at look at his words. Bhishma Veva Virakshantu. He will he has to hurt somebody. 
and he picks the target. It is not his most critical asset, who is Bhishma. First thing, it is not going to have any impact. And he say Bhishma was always Pitama. He never raises his face up and talks to him. That's one thing. Bhishma very very look itself will dissuade him. That's one aspect. Second one is that he will not weaken his strongest asset, which he knows is Bhishma. So he doesn't dare do that. But at the same time, he has to hurt someone very dearly because as soon as he finds them, Bhishma is not the cause for them, for these people being there, right? He's, he's now looking, saying, what is that I'm afraid of, of on the other side? It is Arjuna's valor that I'm afraid of. It's Drishnadimna's valor I'm afraid of. And, and what are the cause for it? Drona. He says, here is, here is a cause. Standing right next to me is a cause. So one, he, he has immediately blamed somebody. See, this, this is all the, it's a subtle play out of the sight of a person who's, who's afraid, who's insecure. To blame somebody, hmm. uh, to hurt somebody, because they have, they have to taste their blood. They're like vampire at that point. So uh, Eckhart Tolle, there's a philosopher named Eckhart Tolle. He talks about this and he says, he, this, he calls this is the pain body of a person. And we all have it. Don't get it. This is just not only Duryodhana. We, every human has this pain body. So this is the carried pain from different interactions and everything that we have gone through life that sits on in us inside. And moments of weaknesses and moments when we have lost our sense of control and insecurity and fear takes over, we have to find something else to blame. That's true. <laughs> that's our protection mechanism. Our, that's how we release ourselves, right? And it's not a good thing. It is like tasting blood. And sometimes it, it is by hurting somebody that we love. We turn around and hurt someone that we love very much. And, and the people who understand take it, you know, at that point. It, it's, it's, a, it's a way the psych plays out. Vyasa, I mean, the, the entire Ramayana, Mahabharata and all that, you will see this extreme understanding of human psychology and reaction coming into play. Even today, psychologists will tell you that that's what they, they will do. And you have to know, you have to understand that's where it is coming from. And in moments of weakness, one may not be able to do it. We, we will be helpless to do it. We might do it knowingly, unknowingly, but the moment we, the quicker we can realize and, and pull our, ourselves out of it, the better for us. So, uh, just not only Duryodhana, it can happen anywhere. For to your question, that he, he was the most vulnerable target, and his one ire on on his side was was him, not Bhishma, because Bhishma kept quiet during the dice game and all that. He never intervened in a way. Bhishma played along, right? You know, he was saying, "I got one job. I need to see continuity in Asanagra. Good or good or bad, I'll keep the continuity." He was he wasn't there, but Drona was the other way because he taught them. That to me is, is the reason why he went to Drona. Okay. Yeah. Sounds very interesting. Thank you. Walson said he had something to share from last week or including last week. Share, I mean, it's a.
little more hypothetical no philosophical <laughs> thoughts that i want to ask you but i thought let people talk more about okay. today's session then okay let's uh, let's see that then we'll come back okay yeah, yeah. anyone else based on today's session today's discussion uh let's just start uh, from uh, what we spoke last week right uh when we started this discussion you spoke about uh uh how it relates to the human uh nature uh, so bishma represents the lineage uh, drona the uh, the teaching structures yeah so even from that perspective when you put it it looks uh, when a person is in crisis they first fall back to the lineage they start tracing the lineage and yeah. then they start condemning the guru so the teacher is the first one who is at fault that's yeah so that's a good way to yeah that's that was just a an interpretation from last week what you're talking about from the lineage and the teaching teacher perspective correct yeah that definitely yeah those two are those two are what what keeps us engaged in this world protecting protecting this world yeah the whole idea of last week i want was that it's a spiritual life is is a revolution it's an internal revolution one has to rise up against oneself inside and and and, and that is the way uh, good or bad that's the way it is and uh, if, if you think of it that's what buddha did when when that night when buddha walks away from his family from his uh, kingdom he had everything lined up in front of him he had a wife he had a child he had a son he wanted to continue his uh, lineage as a as a king everything lined up and he revolts against all that buddha buddha was a great revolutionary from that point of view right that, that internal revolution he went through and he wants and he rejects every teaching which is out there at the time until he realizes it for himself what it is so it's another example of that uh, i was saying about the, the revolution that spirituality is actually an internal revolution and rising up against oneself and it it's very interesting in our our tradition how it is that way versus every other religion focuses on conformance and and succumbing right it it brings forceful or non forceful conformance and unquestioned subservience into the play versus here it's it's, it's different into our uh, upanishadic traditions have been revolutionary traditions it's it's to question it's to uh, fire rise up against one, to rise up against one's own beliefs one's own uh, internal sense of understanding of everything you know so that's a magnanimity and the beauty of our our spiritual tradition adhavare dronarku mahabharata yuddham undavanla velluru pangu undu kaaranam dronan drupadana kaanan povunnadum drupadana ayala avadnu swigarikkada tirichayikunnadum aanu dronan ee vaashi varanum 
സ്വകുല ധർമ്മം അല്ലാത്ത ഈ ആർച്ചറി പഠിക്കാനും അത് പഠിപ്പിക്കാനും ആ അദ്ദേഹം പഠിപ്പിച്ച രണ്ട് ഗ്രൂപ്പ്സ് ആണ് ഫൈറ്റ് ചെയ്യുന്ന അവസാനം സോ ഇതേ പിന്നെ വെരി സിമിലർ സിറ്റുവേഷൻ ആണ് കുചേൽ ബ്രാഹ്മണൻ ശ്രീകൃഷ്ണനെ കാണാൻ പോകുന്നത് അവിടെ ആ സിറ്റുവേഷൻ ഇസ് ടോട്ടലി ഡിഫറെന്റ് അപ്പോ ഞാൻ ഞാൻ ചോദിക്കാൻ ഉദ്ദേശം വെച്ചാൽ ഇത് പിന്നെ ഈ അത് അതുപോലെ ഈ ഭഗവത്ഗീതയുടെ കാരണം അർജുനന്റെ സമ്മിശ്രമായ മനസ്സ് ആ യുദ്ധത്തിന് അവിടെ ചെന്ന് നിൽക്കുമ്പോഴാണ് അർജുൻ അർജുൻ ഈസി ആയിട്ട് ജയിക്കാൻ പറ്റുന്ന യുദ്ധമാണ് പക്ഷെ അവിടെ ചെന്നിട്ട് ആകെ കൺഫ്യൂസ് ആയി അർജുനൻ കൺഫ്യൂസ് ആയിരുന്നില്ലെങ്കിൽ ഒരു പക്ഷെ ഭഗവത്ഗീത എന്നുള്ള ഈ സങ്കല്പം നമുക്ക് ഉണ്ടാവായിരുന്നില്ല പക്ഷെ ഞാൻ ഞാൻ ചോദിച്ചതെന്ന് വെച്ചാൽ നമ്മൾ ഭാരതം മുഴുവനായിട്ട് ഭാരതം നമ്മുടെ വീട്ടിൽ വായിക്കില്ല ഭാഗവതം മാതിരി വീട്ടിൽ വെക്കുക വായിക്കുക ചെയ്തിരപ്പസാണ് ഭാരതം ഭാരത കഥ പൂർണ്ണമായിട്ട് നോക്കിക്കഴിഞ്ഞാൽ അധർമ്മവും ധർമ്മവും തമ്മിലുള്ള യുദ്ധം എന്ന് നമ്മൾ പറയും ഹരി പറഞ്ഞ മാതിരി ധർമ്മം പലപ്പോഴും അവരവരുടെ കാഴ്ചപ്പാടിൽ ധർമ്മമായിരിക്കും ഇപ്പം ഭീഷ്മരാണെങ്കിലും ദ്രോണരാണെങ്കിലും അവർ ചെയ്ത് അവരെ സംബന്ധിച്ച് ധർമ്മമായിട്ട് ചെയ്തായിരിക്കും ഏതാനും ചില ആൾക്കാർ മാത്രമേ നമ്മളതിൽ ശരിക്കും പിന്നെ പുത്രപ്രേമം കൊണ്ട് എല്ലാം കണ്ണടച്ച് നിൽക്കുന്ന ധൃതരാഷ്ട്രം പിന്നെ ഭാര്യ ഭാര്യ അതുപോലെ ശരിക്കും പറഞ്ഞാൽ മക്കളെ സംരക്ഷിക്കുന്ന ധൃതരാഷ്ട്ര കണ്ണായിട്ട് പ്രവർത്തിക്കേണ്ടതിന് പകരം കണ്ണടച്ചു പക്ഷേ പിന്നെ ചോദ്യം എന്താണെന്ന് വെച്ചാല് നമ്മൾ ഈ ഭാരതം കഴിഞ്ഞിട്ട് അത്യാവശ്യം പിന്നെ പാണ്ഡവരും അധർമ്മം ചെയ്യുന്നുണ്ട് ഈ മറ്റേ എന്താണ് അശ്വത്ഥമാവനും കൊന്നു എന്ന് പറയുന്നതും അത് നമ്മൾ സംസാരിക്കുമല്ലോ അപ്പൊ കഥ കഴിഞ്ഞ് എല്ലാം കഴിഞ്ഞപ്പോ നമ്മൾ ഈ ധർമ്മത്തിന്റെ ഭാഗത്ത് വിജയിച്ചു നിൽക്കുന്നത് ഒരേ ഒരാളാണ് പരീക്ഷിത്ത് ബാക്കിയെല്ലാം കഴിഞ്ഞു ഇവരുടെ ആരുടെ ജീവിതം ഒരു തരത്തിലും സുഖസമ്പന്നമായിരുന്നില്ല ആ ജീവിതം ചെറുപ്പം മുതലും പാണ്ഡവരെന്ന് പറഞ്ഞാൽ എപ്പോഴും കഷ്ടപ്പെട്ടവരാണ് കണ്ടിന്യൂസ് ആയിട്ട് വളരെ ചുരുക്കം മാത്രമേ അവർക്ക് സന്തോഷത്തിന്റെ നിമിഷങ്ങളുള്ളൂ കൗരവരാണ് പിന്നെയും കുറച്ചുകൂടെ ഒക്കെ ഇപ്പോഴത്തെ ഭാഷ പറഞ്ഞാൽ അർമാദിച്ച് നടക്കുന്ന ആൾക്കാർ കുറെ കാലം ഇവർ അറ്റ്ലീസ്റ്റ് വനവാസ കാലത്ത് അവർ സുഖിച്ച് ജീവിക്കുകയാണ് അപ്പോൾ ഇതിൽ നിന്ന് മനസ്സിലാക്കാൻ പറ്റുന്ന എന്താണ് നമ്മൾ ജീവിതത്തിന്റെ ആകെ തുക പലപ്പോഴും കഷ്ടപ്പാടാണ് നമ്മൾ ധർമ്മത്തിന്റെ വഴി നീങ്ങിക്കഴിഞ്ഞാൽ ബുദ്ധിമുട്ടുകളുണ്ടാവും ആ ബുദ്ധിമുട്ടുകളെ നമ്മൾ എങ്ങനെ മനസ്സിന് ബുദ്ധിമുട്ടില്ലാതെ ആസ്വദിക്കണം കാരണം ഇപ്പം നേരത്തെ പറഞ്ഞാൽ ഈ പിന്നെ പുരുഷാർത്ഥം ധർമ്മാർത്ഥ കാമമോക്ഷം അതിലിപ്പോ നമ്മൾ അർത്ഥം മാത്രമേ നമ്മുടെ ലക്ഷ്യത്തിലുള്ളൂ ശരിക്കും പറഞ്ഞാൽ നാൽപ്പത് നാൽപ്പത്തഞ്ച് വയസ്സായി കുട്ടികൾ ഒരു പരിധിയായി കഴിഞ്ഞാൽ നമ്മൾ സന്യാസത്തിലേക്ക് പോകണം പക്ഷെ നമ്മൾ എപ്പോഴും നമ്മുടെ വരുമാനം പിടിച്ച് മരിക്കുന്നവരെ കിടക്കും ആ വരുമാനം അല്ലെങ്കിൽ സമ്പാദ്യം നമ്മുടെ ആണെന്ന് പറഞ്ഞിട്ട് നമ്മളെയാണെങ്കിൽ മരിക്കാൻ വേറൊരാൾ സമ്മതിക്കുകയില്ല മരിക്കാറായാലും ഹോസ്പിറ്റലിൽ കൊണ്ടിട്ട് ഇഞ്ചക്ഷൻ വെച്ച് നമ്മൾ കിടത്തും അപ്പൊ അങ്ങനൊരു സമൂഹത്തില് ഈ ധർമ്മത്തിനെ കുറിച്ച് നമ്മൾ മനസ്സിലാക്കി അത് അഡോപ്റ്റ് ചെയ്ത് ജീവിക്കാൻ എന്ത് ചെയ്യും എങ്ങനെ ഈ പിന്നെ കഥകൾ കേൾക്കുന്ന സൽക്കർമ്മങ്ങൾ കാണുന്നത് അനുഭവിക്കുന്ന നമ്മൾ കുറെയൊക്കെ മനസ്സിൽ മാറ്റം വരുത്തും പക്ഷെ നമ്മുടെ ഇപ്പോഴത്തെ ലോകം എന്ന് പറഞ്ഞാൽ അർത്ഥം മാത്രമാണ് ലോകത്തിന്റെ അർത്ഥം ഭൂരിപക്ഷം പേർക്കും നോട്ട്സിങ് ഇവരി പടി പക്ഷെ നമ്മുടെയൊക്കെ മനസ്സിനെ അത് വല്ലാതെ സ്വാധീനിച്ചു കഴിഞ്ഞു ഈ സമൂഹത്തിന്റെ സെറ്റപ്പ് കാരണം അപ്പൊ ഇത്തരം കഥകൾ നമ്മൾ എങ്ങനെ എങ്ങനെ ഉൾക്കൊണ്ടിട്ട് എങ്ങനെ മുന്നോട്ട് പോകണം Mahavarta is, is definitely uh, not one dimension right it, it's it's a multi dimension story many different stories many different aspects how how to look there is no black and white in mahavarta everything is a, is a shade of gray right uh, so to know whether did somebody do the right thing or not wrong thing like no pandavas at the end of the war uh, lose everything on their side too i mean only they they survive their own children also died massacred in the whole uh, whole thing right and then they rebuilt right from the from that burning down they rebuilt but the spiritual story behind that is there is a certain burning and rebuilding that happens in spiritual life too. there is there is, it's it, it is not physical 
but it is mental. So everyone tends to take the spiritual journey as an easy, easy thing to do. Uh, that oh look at this! What an easy life that person has. Like he has uh, left everything, doesn't have no responsibilities, just wanders around. Somebody will give him food, you know, sit there somewhere easy. Just go talk. Like Veera tells me many times, you just go around and talk Bhagavad Gita, and that's it. He, what an easy life! Lot of seniors, these seniors don't have any any easy any tough life at all. One of the toughest life to embrace is the spiritual life, and as part of it. Uh, there is a certain burning down of everything that happened inside, on both sides, things that we like and th things that we don't like, and and from that ashes is rebuilt a, a different empire. Where, like I was saying, this is that uh, removal. It again rebuilding of dharma, artha, and kama, devoid from with moksha. With that release, with, with moksha being the foundation, with that moha having completely gone away. So you can see at the end of Bhagavad Gita, what Arjuna says is that I am convinced about, you know, he says, this moha has gone away from me. My, with your teaching, this moha has now gone away from me. Now I am going to do the exact same thing that I came to do in the battlefield. Arjuna does the exact same thing he came to do in the battlefield. But now he's doing with, with the release of Moha inside. That is Mahabharata's message. So you, you get into the life and you, are, you will, yes, there is a strife here involved and there is there's losses involved. There will be all these things are there. But Vikato Moha. Let this, this Moha be gone <clears throat> and do it without, without the Moha. Can you do it? Can you rebuild the life from, from that wonder? So it's it's a very Mahabharata is a tough message as compared to Ramayana. Ramayana, Ramayana is a, the more uh, comforting uh, ease, uh, feel of saying, hey, how to be striving to be better, right? How to be a better person like Rama at every time and all that. Vyasa takes it by takes the bull by the horn. And he has no qualms about the complexities of life or embracing or painting the complexities of life. Nothing is straightforward. For Rama, decision-making was straightforward. He has, there are very, very few questions or dilemma. Even when he tells Sita to enter the fire, he stands there and says that you go into the fire. No sense of despair, no sense of doubt. He says, you walk into the fire. But that is not Mahabharata. Mahabharata has got this humans who have self-doubt, we worry, insecurity, fear. We have all this. This is what, so in a way, it is wrong to say, I don't read Bharata. Mahabharata has to be read. And, you know, it, it needs to be read and analyzed and absorbed. So there's a very good book. Uh, so Yoga was asking for a reading list, and suddenly I remember when you asked this question. The difficulty of being good. Uh, I think all those... Uh, uh, Ram, Ram Charandas, or it, it is not our Ram Charandas management. This was a, a this was an ex CEO of Procter and Gamble in India. He's a, he's the one who wrote this book. Uh, so we are, it's called the difficulty of being good. A, a very interesting read. So we want to anytime you want to pick it up and you know that's that's a good book to have to read. 
Mahabharata is, has the struggle of difficulty of being good. Uh, what, 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 through the different characters of it. the suffering. But from Gita's perspective, it is, it is all about um, this aspect of moksha from a, from a removing this moha and coming back to the fighting the same battle that we fight every day and fight it differently with a different perspective. And, and for that, we had to be fully, fully convinced. And that's why we had the 18th, the teachings through the 17 chapters. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep, keep talking. talking. Yes. <laughs> I know it's a long journey, so thank you. Thank you. in the comments on Nulia. ീത <laughs> 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 One to six chapters. Tom. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that. That is one way to. Okay, yeah, we will come to that. But what is important for us is to know how we are living. This is my, my whole point has been saying how is this relevant to our everyday life? How uh, in a Mahabharata, or whether that is Ramayana, or whether that is Gita. How is it relevant? And then we can see this kind of characters and, and its situations and their choice of words and all that playing out, depicting that everyday reality that we face. So the next time we find we doing it or someone else doing it, you'll remember Duryodhana going up to Drona and, and speaking those words. And we'll know that's what is going on there. And then we'll have a better compassion for that person, or we'll have a better response at the time, or even for ourselves. We'll have better compassion for ourselves, saying that we'll be more forgiveful of ourselves when we do that. So we can pull quickly back from it. Okay, so, all right, we'll catch up next week then. Uh, so finally, Girish, Girish, Video loan to catch up in that. Very good. When are you all good? Thank you, Ari. Sorry, mute line. Yeah, nice session. Um, you know, for a either lump rewind you are means so even they have meaning that you told a rewind you that is a good thing. Means you know, okay, it's in detail light and a what it means and how we can relate to things nowadays that is important right as you said good excellent very good all right we'll catch up next week yeah Bye. thank you thank you